Fans of the Shadows, the podcast where the Shadow Girls get together, talk about folklore. Oh, Bunbury snoring at me. Bless you. Talk about folklore, stories, storytelling, all of that fun stuff. Uh, yes, so uh, my name is Emily Collins. My name is Georgia Dorley. And we are joined by three small dogs a Bunbury, a Squire, and a Mimi, who may try to snore during this episode. <laughs> Only one way to find out listen. And today, uh, because this episode is going to be going out on the 21st, which is the solstice, we are having a sort of yuletide, wintry, shortest day theme. And we're just going to talk a bit about, well, different traditions and what we associate with this time of year. Uh, Some people call it Christmas. I call it winter. (laughs) (laughs) The end of December. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the 21st, it's the shortest day of the year, known as the winter solstice. And there's lots of traditions with it celebrating it all over the world. Shortest day, longest night. In Ireland, we famously have Newgrange, which is this big, massive, uh, megalithic tomb built in uh, 3200 BC. So it's older than the pyramids and Stonehenge. Yeah. And the big thing about Newgrange Mm -hmm. is it's lined up with the winter solstice. So when the sun rises on the 21st, it floods down into this light box and the whole thing inside is illuminated. I've never seen it myself. Uh, to I get there's a, a long waiting list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to sort of sign up for a lottery to get to go there oh. on the solstice. Or be president. Apparently. Or be president of Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, probably winning the lottery, getting to be president, equal chances. <laughs> but it's meant to be spectacular. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's this huge old metallica thing and this whole thing about it being, no one's exactly sure why it was built, that they think it was, they did find remains in there, but. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be like specifically a yeah. tomb or specifically yeah. just for use yeah. for a calendar. Because, um, yeah, there's these stones outside that seem to have been built, uh, added to it about a couple hundred years after the original thing was oh, built. Oh, were they added afterwards? They were added, yeah, yeah the, the big ones outside with like the swirlies. And, yeah, they've sort of got the carvings yeah. that reflect the um, the stars, yeah. um, the constellations above. Yeah, like there's ah. some there's some swirl, a lot of swirly art. There's some <laughs> swirly carvings on the original bit, but then they seem to have like added these extra things. So oh. it might have been religious because there's one of the, the theories is that the light coming down on the shortest day that's the sun refertilizing the earth yes because they would have used it for essentially the agricultural calendar yeah. they would um, have known that longer days were coming and they could plant the seeds in a couple of months yeah and irish mm. mythology is very focused on fertility like the yeah when you became king you had to fertilize the land oh boy yep you were you were oh i didn't know that you were <laughs> you were married to the land and you had to consummate it nice which is why the king had to be a a perfect physical specimen. Okay. Good genes to pass on to the crops. <laughs> yeah, so we have we have Newgrange and it's said to be the home of the Dagda who I actually kind of... You know the Muppets Christmas Carol? Yo, yes. <laughs> well, in the Muppets Christmas Carol, the Muppet that plays the ghost of Christmas present. Oh, yeah. In my head, that is the Dagda. <laughs> He's this big, jolly, festive... He I likes the good that. things of life, food and drink and... I love his laugh. Fertility. <laughs> when he's just, what is it? he just has that proper sort of like, oh, 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 sort of laugh. Good it's a good belly, belly laugh. laugh. Yeah. Wish I could laugh like that. <laughs> yeah. So in Ireland, our big solstice thing is Newgrange. But the solstice, because it's um, it's the sun, it, it doesn't just happen here. It happens everywhere. And you were looking at um, other places that, that yeah, how they celebrate so the solstice. Obviously, we've got, um, you know, we have Newgrange in Ireland that, um, that lines up with the winter solstice and also... Um, 
Stonehenge in the UK. But um, also, like, I, I was just sort of, like, looking at how it is around the world. And there's uh, obviously another northern hemisphere. We are the northern hemisphere. We are the northern hemisphere. Yes, hemisphere, yeah. we are. So, obviously, the, the sauce is, you know, reversed when it comes to the southern hemisphere. Mm. But anyway, yeah, I was looking at, um, essentially, the, the winter solstice traditions in uh, countries that essentially used to be kind of Persia or mm. uh, countries that... Um, uh, immigrants from Persia would have moved to so sort of Iran, Azerbaijan, Afghanistan, Kurdistan, Tajikistan, and Turkey. There's this tradition on the winter solstice there called Shabi Yalda or Yalda night, and it's so it's the longest and darkest night of the year, and it's a time when friends and family gather together to eat, drink, and read poetry until when, well Ooh. after midnight. I just think that sounds divine. It does sound like a lot <laughs> yeah. of fun. Would sort of reduce the tension uh, when you've got all your family together for Christmas or whatever. No, but, we're not. Um, no, just 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 read. Don't. Yeah, just read don't, the poem. We're not going to talk about any complicated topics. matters. <laughs> Um, no politics. Uh, so fruits and nuts are eaten and pomegranate, pomegranate, pomegranates, I can say that word. <laughs> pomegranates and watermelons are particularly significant because the, the red uh, colour in those fruits kind of symbolises the, the crimson hum, hues of dawn and the glow of life. Um, so, it's a nice way to look at it. Yeah, it's kind of like, I suppose it's that thing of... Um, you know, I, I'd say similarly that idea of like life coming back once the days yeah. start getting longer. And um, it's why we decorate with holly berries because they're one of the few specks of red yeah, of colour. Like of colour during yeah. um during a very dark and gloomy time, yeah. I suppose. Um though don't they sort of symbolise Jesus's blood um, or something at some point? Yeah, well, well I, I think they were around before Christianism, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like the the carol, the holly and the ivory, um the holly bears a berry yes, as yeah, red yeah. as the blood and Mary bore sweet Jesus Christ. Something, oh, something, something, something. yeah. That's quite a good ca- Oh, I miss yeah. carols. That carol yeah. actually, when you go through the lyrics, they're quite dark. When you think very, about uh, it. Very gory. Yeah, it's kind of like when you revisit fairy tales from your childhood and you're like, oh, geez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bible time too. So you were saying um, that that tradition, it comes from Zoroastrianism? Yeah, so, which is a bit of a mouthful. Zoroastrianism um, is sort of like the uh, pre-islamic religion of, yeah, of iran it's, it's, and a, Persia. It's, an, it's an old monotheistic yeah it's i'd love to look into it more yeah. I, 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 know, <laughs> I know a vague bit about it but it's there's, there's this symbol of um it's sort of like a an, an eagle yeah i think i came across bird, this and it's, looking... I, i've seen it in like in people having like jewelry of it and it's sort of that there there are two great forces one is the good god and one is the dark god and they're constantly in warfare yeah constantly battling each other yeah, and so the whole thing about balance. duality and so as such the dark time of the year would be when, a little bit dangerous yes when the, the i suppose the more destructive spirit was sort of winning exactly so yeah. this the longest night of the year i suppose would be when um he or she i don't know yeah. they would be at their most powerful uh, again we, <laughs> we we don't know much about this subject but so. we will next time yeah no, I uh, don't. So <laughs> send us send us tweets and messages if you you know about or practicing Zoroastrianism yeah please do I'd love to know more about it to be honest I love yeah. duality mm-hmm. um but um so yeah in Zoroastrian uh, Zoroastrian tradition uh the longest and darkest night of the year uh was a particularly sort of unlucky day and the practices of what is now called um <clears throat> Shab Yalda, I hope I'm getting that right, were originally customs intended to protect people from evil during that long night, at which time the evil forces of Ahriman, were, who was the destructive spirit, I think, uh, were imagined to be at their peak. 
so people were advised to stay awake for most of the night, you know, keep your guard up and also to, to sort of gather in the safety of groups of friends and relatives, you know, stay together, yeah, stay safe, numbers. keep an eye on everyone. Keep each other awake. Um, and then the people would share the last fruits of the summer and find ways to pass the long night together yeah. in good company. Make and it a celebration. Yeah, essentially. It's like a good excuse to, to get together yeah. and have some fun, you know. Yeah. Not getting eaten by scary spirits. Yeah, that, that's actually very similar to, to Yule, which is the sort yes, of... What about Yule? Yeah, the pre-Christian, a lot of it turned into Christmas celebrations from sort of Germanic um, and then a lot of like Anglo-Saxon things. But they celebrated Yule on the darkest day and Yule could actually take 12 days. So, oh, wow. So, you know, you talk about like the 12 days of Christmas. That's the Yule celebration. Oh. And uh, if anyone was watching the Sabrina special... Oh, I wasn't. Whoops, All right. sorry. Well, um, in it, the, uh, they mentioned some of the Yule traditions, including the Yule lads, who are these Scandinavian folk Santas, <laughs> who all have these ridiculous names. Um, but they would come down in the 12 days of Christmas and they'd leave out like little, little presents. They don't give oh. one big, they like leave little things, little bits of sweets and small toys. If you're good and if you're bad, they would leave you a potato. Ah, that's not so bad. Or coal. Oh, that's pretty, yeah. Or give your name to Krampus. Oh, who is, no. Uh, yeah, Krampus is like the dark Santa yeah. who takes children away and beats them and puts them in chains and might burn them in a furnace. <laughs> a little bit dark. <laughs> um, but yeah, you again, Yule, it was celebrating. It's the dark time of the year. There were a lot of protection things. There was um, the Yule log, which we... Actually, when I normally see the Yule log today, it's chocolate. Yeah, I was going to say my mum makes a chocolate, a really good. Yeah, it's like Yule a log. it's like a chocolate squidgy cake, and you put like fake chocolate leaves in it. Yeah. But originally, the Yule log was burnt for protection, and it would be a like a really big log, and you'd burn it, and you'd try to. The idea was that it would burn for the twelve days, so you'd have it as a very slow smoulder, and that this would be protection, but you wouldn't quite burn it down. You get some great charcoal. At yeah, you you then you take the charcoal that was left, and then use that to light the next year's Yule log. Oh, I see. So it was like a continuing thing. It's like um, cyclical sort of thing. Yeah, it was yeah. like with the bonfire celebrations where you'd you'd take a flame home to relight your fire. Or the Olymp- Olympic torch. Or the Olympic kind torch. Of. Yeah, it's like, that sort of it still passes on. But in Sabrina, they they mentioned burning the Yule log to keep dark forces out of the house because this is the longest night of the year. This is yeah. the night when the darkness is strongest. And there's a lot of traditions in folklore of keeping your fire burning. Um, there's a lot of stories in Irish folklore about people having to bank down their fires at night to keep away dark spirits, demons, fairies, all sorts of things. And there was a sort of the more spiritual folklore side to that, but it was also a health and safety thing because bank down your fire so it's not blazing all night and going to set the house on fire. Yeah, particularly but, when you've got thatch. Yeah, but mm. also in winter, you don't want the fire to go out and make the whole house cold and then be there in the morning and it to be cold and dark and you're trying to relight the fire where you can't see what you're doing yeah. and your fingers have gone numb so it's a sort of mix of magical and practical very good um and a lot of the yule celebrations the yule log uh the yule tree which is now the christmas tree which they celebrated in germany and then prince albert and queen victoria and the victorians inventing christmas but an interesting thing i found out about the the christmas tree or the yule tree it was martin luther who put candles on it was it really? Yeah, he started the tradition of decorating it with candles. Interesting. Which is kind of nice. dangerous. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose everything was candlelit then. Yes, true. Yeah. So um, maybe they were a bit more, I don't know. I always once said a... Buffet with 
how to not burn things down. <laughs> I was once at a sort of like pre-Christmas um, dinner party thing at like, you know, my parents' friend's house mm. or something and mm. they had proper... Uh, the family was German, so they had proper um, candles on the Christmas tree. Yeah. And I just remember, like, as a kid being like, it's all going to go up and smoke, and I'm going to enjoy watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's there's a story, I think it might be a Roald Dahl story or something, about a, a little girl who her parents won't let her light the the candles on the Christmas tree, so she burns the house down. Nice. That would be me. I think it's Roald Dahl. It, it sounds a Roald <laughs> Dahl like thing. If, uh, if it's not, yeah. again, tweet us. Send us in. Let us know, yeah. yeah. The dog is snoring. Another Yule tradition that hasn't quite caught on to the whole mainstream Christmas was the wild hunt. The what? See, now I'm just thinking of the Witcher, so I'm confused. Yeah, I think the, <laughs> I think the Witcher, um, it does use a lot of folklore and mythology mm. and stuff like that uh, from sort of the, those northerny regions. Yeah. So I think the, the wild hunt and that might be inspired by this wild hunt. So the wild hunt was, it was on... The solstice night, Yule night, where it massively depends on who was telling the story, but where there would be a wild ride of ghosts, of demons, of fairy spirits, and they would ride almost armoured for battle through the night, um, often hunting and pursuing something. And if you were caught watching the wild hunt, they would hunt you. They would transform you to some sort of animal beast and hunt you for sport through the night. And if you survived, brilliant. If you didn't, death and destruction wow. <laughs> and depending on where the story was happening and who was telling it because it sort of seems to start in Germanic regions but then also spread up into bits of Scandinavia down into Anglo-Saxons the wild hunt it could be led by Woden it could be led by King Arthur it could be led by some recently deceased great figure so oh. David Bowie <laughs> oh that know. would be a wild hunt <laughs> yeah and they it was sort of um, dark revelry so it was yeah. very chaotic. It was fun. It was blood thumping, bloodlusty stuff because yeah. it's sort of everything has been dead and everything has been quiet, and it's this sort of big uh, celebration, which does seem to be what a lot of the Christmas things are. It's everything has been dark. Everything has been quiet. Everything has been, you know, trying desperately not to freeze, not to starve, and then it's Let's... the darkest night. It's the final bit, yeah. and if you can just make it through this, you'll you'll survive. But you have to make sure you do make it through this. Yeah. So let's go a bit wild. <laughs> let's go a bit wild. Let's go a bit, you know, back in Bacchus, Dionysian. Yeah. Um, have some wine. Go have a lot of wine. Have a lot of, like, all the preserves and things we've been saving up. Let's eat them. Let's yeah. kill our fattest pig. I suppose it's also, yeah, there is that thing of, like, you know, eating up. Because you store up a certain mm-hmm. amount for the winter. And by the solstice, you can kind of tell how much you've got. Yeah, you can sort of extra. pace it out. And yeah. go, okay, yeah, we can... Because I think in I think in Ireland that it, it's sort of it seems to be that they that that um back during the old solstice days <laughs> um the they'd start killing the cattle I think because they didn't want to feed them for the remainder of the winter yeah. months and so suddenly they'd have all of this meat and like eat really well and yeah. get loads of protein and obviously yeah. all the minerals that comes with meat apologies to all vegetarians yeah. and vegans out there but it says for them at the time yeah, like, yeah. yeah. and also. To cope with the cold, you need a bit of extra padding on you. Mm-hmm. You need a bit yeah. of extra warmth. I know this well. <laughs> yeah. You burn, um, you burn through more calories in the cold. Yeah. So it was a big, big celebration, and the whole thing that we have like so much red associated with it—red like berries, red wine, red fruits—it's kind of into that, you know, blood of life 
stuff and also something to brighten the darkness yeah it's wonderful that actually i hadn't really thought about it that way before but there is any any terry pratchett fans uh hogfather i've only seen the tv adaptation oh the book is the book is brilliant i must read it um i think that's the thing with terry pratchett is so much of it is in the description the way he phrases it that it sort of doesn't quite always carry over yeah but that that is basically about how the whole Christmas Yule celebration, it's become quite soft and quite nice and quite sugar-coated. But it all goes back to a tr- desperation to survive the darkness mm. and the bloodshed that needs to happen to, in order to survive. Kill the yeah. pig. Kill the pig. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, this got dark very Yeah, quickly. it got dark. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, this is a good time for ghost stories. Yeah. Darkest time of the year. Uh, the most famous Christmas story and all of this stuff got sort of taken over by Christianity. It's like, uh, oh, you guys are having a big party on the 21st. Um, we're having an even bigger one on the, the 25th. <laughs> Why don't you come along? And um, yeah, yeah. Our guys, our guy does this too. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell people to stop doing something. Tell them to, to just change just it change slightly. Change, change the name. Everything's grand. Yeah. But the most famous Christmas story is A Christmas Carol. Oh, yes. Which is definitely a ghost story. Yeah. It's like got three ghosts. So many ghosts. There's um the ghost of Christmas past, present, present future, future Marley, Marley and Marley. If you're in the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> which is the best adaptation. Yes. Is yes, the it Muppets is. Christmas Carol. Which um, uh gonna be watching on the eve of the solstice. Oh yes. Yes. Oh man, I'm gonna be watching it like every day for the like <laughs> all of Christmas. <laughs> I, I have been listening to some of the songs. I'm not a big Christmas person, but it is my favourite Christmassy film. And I, hands down, best adaptation of Dickens. You got Michael Caine, like, come on. <laughs> Which I didn't realise for, un, until quite recently, because I, I watched it as a kid on video at my grandmother's house. So I had no idea who actors were. Yeah. And also then when I saw Michael Caine, I wouldn't have at that age seen any Michael Caine stuff, because it would have been wildly inappropriate <laughs> for a five-year-old. But it was just, yeah, that was Scrooge. And then it was only when I was watching a clip later, I was like, hang on. Is that, 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 that's Charlie Croker. <laughs> yeah. Blowing I, the bloody doors off. <laughs> I remember, because uh, I had the same experience watching mm. it as a kid and not knowing who actors mm. were. And then I remember watching The Italian Job, the original, the only, the mm. only Italian Job. Um, and being like, that guy is really familiar because I would have watched it when I was quite mm. young. Um, and then going back and watching Muppets Christmas Carol and being like, oh my God, it's Michael Caine. <gasps> yeah. And it just yeah. all clicks together and you're like, whoa, wait, yeah. I'm sorry, characters aren't real? Actors? What? <laughs> what? Does this mean that the Muppets? Miss Peggy? Don't think about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, so it's, it's a good time for ghost stories. Mm. And uh, M.R. James, famous writer of ghost stories, um, he wrote a lot of he wrote a lot of ghost stories and he had a tradition because he was a, I think he was a Don at Oxford or Cambridge or one of those... Oxbridge. Yeah, one of those places. <laughs> and... He would invite some friends, some sort of students, some colleagues into his study office and he would read them his latest ghost story. And the BBC did this wonderful uh, adaptation series for a few years, A Ghost Story for Christmas. Oh, great. Was that BBC Radio 4? Uh, no, it was it was film. Oh! And they, they adapted a, num- a number of um, M.R. James's ghost stories, cool. um, which most of them have a plot of there is a sort of amateur scholar gentlemanly type in some sort of old English village or maybe quaint French town and he discovers some some book or artifact and 
terrible consequences before. <laughs> and you think it'll get quite predictable, but they actually are quite... Ugh. Yeah. And Christopher Lee on BBC Radio 4 did uh, some re- some readings of them. Oh, wonderful. Which were, I think you can still access. Um, but they also adapted Dickens's less famous than a Christmas Carol ghost story, The Signal Man. Oh, I don't know that. You know, it's it's a ghost about a signal man, but um, I only have sort of vague memories of pictures of it because my dad kept going on about it mm. when I was about 10 and we watched it. And I can just sort of see this mist and this Ooh. man of the light. Haunting. can't remember what it's about, but it's... Yeah, so if anyone's looking for something that is still traditionally Christmas, but uh, less cheerful than the Muppets Christmas Carol, look up some of the ghost stories for Christmas. By the BBC. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm going to be doing that. Yeah, something a little bit alternative. Yeah, and actually, I always associate Christmas with a particular ghost story. Oh yeah, because of my family traditions. Um, my family, my dad is a bibliophile, so every Christmas, for as long as I can remember, we have gone Christmas book shopping, and for oh. years it just happened to be we went Christmas book shopping on the twenty first, which was. The sauces. We, it wasn't intentional, but we go and we do our Christmas book shopping, and we'd be allowed to run wild in Hodges figures oh. through all the floors, gathering books, and then we'd buy all these books, and then we'd go and have lunch somewhere, and then we would go to the carol service at St Patrick's Cathedral. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an amazing cathedral. If anyone's in Dublin, go check it out because not only is it this sort of beautiful, more Gothic than Gothic architecture, but the cathedral is full of artifacts. So there's plaques where people are buried there's death masks there's all these old flags from the old norman the flags Saxon, are ancient, ancient yeah. flags from sort of the ancient clans uh, there's also the the door the, the door it's been a while since i've been there. yeah it's this oh can't remember the name of the people but there were these two medieval families having a massive romeo and juliet style scrap oh and it was going a bit mental and one guy said look we, we have to put an end to this so he went to where these where the other family were holed up defending and he said look we need to negotiate a peace and they said well why should we trust you like if we open the door you're just gonna charge us how do we know you don't have a load of men with you and so he stuck his arm through the hole in the wall Risky. saying look this is me proving shake my hand and they did and they made a peace and that's where the oh. phrase to chance your arm comes from no yeah so you can go and see that door stick your hand through um but anyway we'd do the we do the carol service like my mum used to go with her mum to it and on the way back when we were driving back my dad would always point out two things first he would point out burdock's chipper oh yeah the oldest chipper in dublin mm-hmm. my and, dad does that too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and second he would point out marsh's library oh yes and tell us the story of archbishop narcissus marsh and this is a story we've done a number of times as a shadow puppet thing and it's a story I always associate with with Christmas, with Yule, with uh, the winter solstice. It's a story I always associate with getting a sore arm because I have to hold the bookshelves up, bookshelves <laughs> up for so long. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, spoil the mood. <laughs> <laughs> well, Archbishop Narcissus Marsh, um, he was Archbishop of Dublin and he, he, like my father, was a great book lover and founded Marsh's Library, which was the first public library in Dublin. And to give you an idea of the time period, this is sort of 1600s. Uh, Swift is wandering around writing government for his travels. And Marsh, he loved two things in his life. He loved his books and his young ward. 
he had a young ward uh, in some account she was his niece or just some relative that he had taken in and he loved her more than if she was his own child and he raised her up gave her a love of books and learning but she grew up and um though she'd had many suitors she'd never ever really found one that was to her liking until one day a young man caught her eye a young man who was a sailor a spanish sailor and a catholic gasp i know oh now no. <laughs> this was three things that her uncle did not want her to get chucked up with and so when she came home telling him how she'd met this man and he proposed her and they wanted to spend the rest of their life together he said no he forbade her to ever see this man again and she of course was devastated by this she locked herself in her room and she wept for days and days on end and then she went to the young man to tell him that she was going to have to break it off her uncle didn't approve and the young man said well your uncle doesn't approve but do you? this this is a choice your uncle can't make for you you have to make this decision yourself mm-hmm. you can stay in Dublin and I'll get on a boat and I'll sail away and I'll never forget you or you can come with me we can go away together and we can make our own choices make our own life and she thought about it and she went back home and she began to write a letter she wrote a letter to her uncle explaining what she was doing saying she was so sorry that she was hurting him but begging that one day he'd be able to understand to understand that that love doesn't see creed or colour or nationality that love love should conquer all and that well, he was a man of God, wasn't the golden rule, love. And she hoped that one day he'd understand that she was choosing love. Aww. And she put the letter in one of his books and hid it in the library because she didn't want him to find out too soon, not before she'd got a fair bit of distance between them. And she went away with her young love and sailed off. And then the next day Marsh couldn't find his niece. And he searched high and low and he searched her room and there was no sign of her and her clothes were gone and he began to become worried and he knew she she, she couldn't do this. She couldn't have just broken his heart like this. So he went out to, to see if she'd left him some letters, some notes, some, some word of where she was. But his heart couldn't take the grief and he dropped down dead. Oh. And he never found the letter she'd written him. But his ghost is still searching. Still looking through the books for that letter. And I've been to Marsh's library and they still have a lot of the old books and the old tomes. They, they have Handel's original score for the Messiah. Oh, yeah. And because a lot of these books are quite valuable, they're kept in cages. It, it looks like they're caging, like in Harry Potter's, if the books are going to go out and attack you. <laughs> but even though the books are literally locked down, sometimes they move. Why? Even today. So Archbishop Narcissus Marsh... He's either still looking for that letter or he really doesn't like the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> oh, and, dear. Yeah. Oh, I feel like going out there and trying to help him find it. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So to me, that is that is a story I always associate with the 21st of December, with winter, because this is a good time for ghost stories. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's a wonderful that's wonderful that's really sweet about the the book christmas book buying yeah it's it's a good tradition um yeah. if anyone is uh, looking wanting to start up a trish, uh, christmas tradition with um your family or your friends 
book shopping is great yeah. or um i have another friend and they do a a book bring they like they get together and everyone brings a book they've really enjoyed hmm. and they put it on the table and they they have food and they celebrate and they see in the darkest night and then everyone leaves with a different book oh great yeah seems really lovely though I always get really attached to books that I really like so I yeah. find it very difficult to give one you away. might have to buy a second copy buy another copy and yeah. then bring it along yeah yeah but I think I think it's wonderful to, to do that with children you know literally mm. just let them loose yeah in let... a big bookshop like Hodges Figgis um, or chapters or or chapters in particular or I'm actually going to give a shout out to independent bookshops yeah. like Raven Books in Black Rock and the Gutter Bookshop in, in Temple Wire. And Books Upstairs like in town. Books Upstairs. Which have good. a lovely cafe. They do actually. God, they do really nice. Oh, I'm going on a tangent now, <laughs> but they do really good cake. Um, but um, but yeah, just literally let kids loose in a big bookshop and just say, pick up a few things you want because that's the best way to get them yeah. reading. Like, and you know. Yeah, we'd pick up books. Like my brother, he, he often picked up Calvin and Hobbes books. <gasps> And which you sort of go, oh, you're not going to... But then you'd also put up something else and it was yeah. just... It makes reading fun. Yeah. And also sharing a book that you've really enjoyed with someone is... Like, my, my dad read to us all as kids. Um, but he read books that he was really interested in. He read us, like, a lot of the books that he still had kept from when he was a child. Oh. And it was just this... This lovely sharing, sharing books, sharing stories. It's sharing stories, yeah. yeah. It. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky. I had two parents yeah. who who read to me a lot as well. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's it's just such a a lovely thing, and it's such a a close way of both sharing an experience and sharing love to share yeah. a story or share a book or share a song. And it's. I think it's so important on the one hand to to have that. God, what do I know about parenting? Jeez, <laughs> but like to have that one on one time with a parent, like from a yeah. child's perspective. I remember that was like I remember my mum reading me The Hobbit. Like, oh yeah, she had so much fun with it. <laughs> she really enjoyed it, and I go, I loved it. But um, it was nice having that time where it was just the two of us. Yeah, particularly because I, I mean, I have two other siblings. You've got th- three other siblings. Three other siblings, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it is nice, and my dad he read me and my brother uh, The Lord of the Rings, oh. leaving out all the poetry because he. I'm a little dull. <laughs> but it was it was just such a lovely and it's my one of my happiest memories yeah is uh sharing books so the message of this podcast is books read books to your children kids. read, read to your, your children, children. Um, Calvin and Hobbes is great yeah. <laughs> or I don't know ask them to read to you oh that's a sweet idea that could be nice yeah. you know you, your eyes might be getting tired <laughs> yeah. yeah so do you have any strong associations with Christmas or Yule or the darkest night I don't know like personally from my own life um I don't know I remember okay I remember I remember getting a little bit annoyed in 2001 Mm -hmm. at Christmas (laughs) because I seem to remember that the previous Christmas we had like no it would have been 2000 yeah so in 2000 Christmas 2000 I got really annoyed because the year before we'd had all of these glittery face masks and poppers and like (laughs) all of these amazing decorations specifically glittery (laughs) and I remember being like why don't we have these again and my parents being like because they were for the millennium Georgia and I was like oh we don't have a millennium every year Uh. so I don't know if I just associate Christmas with me being a little bit slow (laughs) um but no I I think um yeah I, I mean just associate it with getting up 
as early as I could because like presents were the best oh, I just was a sucker for the see, I like to sleep in I oh, see I don't so, sleep much <laughs> all right um I've got two siblings though who are very early risers early I, I'm that sibling yeah yeah and oh the joy of them being able to wake you up oh no see this is the thing so I was the early riser and my sisters both would just sleep and sleep mm, and I would be downstairs me. like come on I need to open presents well, you, you like. never just <laughs> ran in and jumped on them till they got up oh no 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 <laughs> they'd be very happy with me yeah. I know but that's part of the tradition is the grumpiness in the morning oh no I don't know if I've been woken up their, yeah no I think they, they really like their sleep <laughs> um, yeah and we used to I, I do remember actually one year like I uh, my family wouldn't be particularly devout but you know Christmas we'd occasionally go to church yeah. more for the sort of the Christmas carols were yeah. the singing to be honest than anything else but I do remember one year we sort of moved to a new area of Cork I think and we decided to go to I think it was just a few of us just maybe my mum and I uh, went to the midnight service um, in our local church which is very small mm. and in the middle of nowhere and we turned up midnight and um, everything was candlelit and like oh. candles up the driveway so people knew where to drive and oh. candles inside the building and it was beautiful it was really atmospheric something beautiful about candles but it turned out they'd actually had a, a power cut a power cut yeah square are you okay <laughs> um so they had to candlelight it candlelight it um but then it became a sort of tradition i think for yeah. a few years after I, um there's something really magical nice. about candles and i love candles I love, I find, because I, I find um, I'm quite sensitive to light. I get overwhelmed by light yeah. a bit. But um, candlelight is just so it's, calming. It's so, it's so soft and Squire is jingling. Yeah, Squire, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Come here. Yeah, it's a little jingle bell. Jingle, Squire, jingle, Squire, jingle. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Me, baby. Yeah. So, this solstice this christmas this yule this whatever you choose to celebrate uh we hope that you have a candle to light your darkness and uh, we hope that you can get together with some people you enjoy spending time with and share a story share a book share a song eat lots of food share food yeah. sharing food is i don't know about sharing but no i'm joking yeah. Yeah. i think sh sharing food is the best way to say i like you yeah you're all right you yeah. can have some of my food yeah. <laughs> and if you uh if you have want to we'd love to hear what's what's your darkest time of the year association tradition yeah you can get in contact with us in a number of ways um on twitter we are tales shadows at tales shadows on instagram and facebook we are tales from the shadows because we have a theatre group and I thought the social media would be easier if they were about the same name and it's not. We like to be elusive. Yes. You can also rate, review, subscribe, uh, do any of that good stuff. Um, we have a Patreon if you'd like to give us a Yule present. <laughs> and we wish you a very merry solstice. Merry solstice.